from Huntsville, Texas. This is your host, Joey Barra, with episode two of the Res Life Night Shift. It's the end of the semester, and thankfully, Thanksgiving break has come in for the save. If it wasn't for that much-needed break, how would you be feeling right now? Would you still be full of energy and ready to take on the world, or would you be struggling to make it towards the end of each week? Stay tuned as we begin talking about burnout and self-care. As we head into the final stages of the semester, it is easy to burn the midnight oil in an attempt to get everything prepared for closing. But what happens when you burn the candle from both ends? Are you still effective? Or are you struggling to go through the motions of day-to-day operations? What impact does your level of self-care have on your work life? And what implications does it have on your team's group dynamic? In today's episode, we're going to be talking about burnout, self-care, and what each of these should mean to you. Our first speaker up is from the Midwest. Ardell Sanders is the Associate Director of Residential Education at Indiana State University. Ardell will be talking about burnout and the potential effects it can have on your work and personal life if it goes unchecked. Hello, my name is Ardell Sanders. I currently serve as the Associate Director for Residential Education at Indiana State University in the Office of Residential Life. I'm here to talk about burnout. My definition for burnout is when one has essentially burned a candle at both ends for a little too long. And what I mean by that is generally we talk a lot in the field of higher education about having work-life balance. And I think that idea is a good one, but really what it comes down to is understanding who you are as a professional, who you are as a person and understanding how much you can do before you actually use up all of your reserves. I believe that we all have a certain amount of reserve energy. And once that becomes depleted, both mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, we hit this point called burnout. And once we've depleted those reserves, that is pretty much it. There is time at that point, you either need to make some type of change to recharge our batteries. And those batteries may be as a result of doing a few things that can help out. One of those things might be taking a vacation. And I really don't care if that vacation is just a weekend getaway or a week long or two week long vacation. Each person needs to figure out for themselves what it is that they need to do in order to recharge their battery. Sometimes you can do that right at work. Sometimes it may be, I need to step away from this project, or I need to step away from doing these things, or maybe not filling my calendar every single day to the brim and finding ways within the day to recharge. Other times it's really taking that vacation that I mentioned. And oftentimes that vacation, you know, because understanding that we're in a field that doesn't pay or where people make a lot of money all the time. So sometimes that may be a staycation. It may just be taking some time away to be at home, be around loved ones, or even just be alone to allow yourself to recharge your batteries, refocus, rejuvenize. Another thing that I think could be a good use of our time to help get over or prevent burnout is finding what are those things that I love to do outside of work, even outside of family. Because as much as we love our families and we love the people that we're around every day at work, those people and the things that we do become sometimes monotonous. Sometimes they become very draining on our systems in terms of what people need from us. And we pour so much 
into other people that you may just pour everything out. So sometimes you have to recharge by just doing some of those things that you love. For me, it's running. I'm not a runner, but I'm someone who who enjoys the challenge of what running does. And, you know, I like the benefits that I get from it. So I go running. I'm able to clear my mind when I'm out on the road running. I also like biking. Those are some of the things that I like to do. But I think it's a different thing for each person that has to find what they love. Maybe you love swimming. Maybe you love playing basketball. Maybe it's a long walk with a friend. Maybe it's taking your pet and hanging out with your pet for the day. Whatever it is, those little pleasures in life that we have that are not destructive habits, obviously, we don't want to have the destructive ones. But if you can take time to do some of those things that you enjoy, that can also help stave off a little bit of burnout. And not everything has to cost money. I mean, some of these things can be pretty inexpensive in order to do. And like for me, running costs me nothing. Cost me nothing but a little time and maybe the cost of my shoes that I buy every five to six months. So those are some of the things that I like to use to kind of help stave off burnout. And another thing is just making sure that we lean on our support systems. Like I have a very amazing group of friends and family that I'm able to call on if I ever need anything. If I just need to talk, if I need to blow off some steam, I need to vent. And I can do that without having to go visit them. I can call them. I can Skype them. None of my family is in the area where I currently live. And so It can sometimes be a challenge because I'm not always around family, but I always have family that I can lean on. I always have friends that I can lean on. So I have a very good support system. So making sure that we have healthy relationships outside of our work relationships and even our immediate family, like the ones in our immediate household, being able to have people outside of those individuals that you can count on, people that you can talk to. So just having an additional outlet other than those folks that may actually contribute to your burnout from time to time. So I think that is definitely one of the things that has helped me in my career stave off burnout because burnout is a real thing. It is a challenging thing. We get there sometimes from school. Sometimes we get there from work. Sometimes we get there from personal relationships and it affects us in many, many ways. Looking at how it affects your work life, we get to a point sometimes in our work life where we become stagnant. We become absolutely stagnant and some of it may be mental fatigue. It may be that burnout factor. It may be emotional fatigue. It may simply just be that we've done things the same way for so long that we just have to find new ways to kind of change up and and do the things that we do. Maybe change the routine so that things are not so monotonous. And that also happens at home as well. Whether it's a marriage or um, a significant other, that type of relationship. It might be a relationship with your children or with siblings or parents, whatever the case may be. Burnout can become real and it can really affect people in a really serious way if we're not cautious in terms of being able to recognize the signs of when you're getting physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually fatigued. If you have hit that point of rock bottom because you weren't able to figure out those signs, now we're at a place where we need to figure out how do we come back from it? How do we figure those things out? And sometimes it's maybe even just having conversations with the people that are around us, right? Having them help us understand when we're at that low place. Maybe it's listening to people when they say, you know, you just don't seem like yourself right now. You may be going into a place of burnout. It may be a thing where you're saying, all of the meetings that I've sat in at work this week have just been horrible. I don't feel like I'm contributing. I don't feel like I'm giving anything. I don't feel like I'm getting anything from it. You may be going into a phase of burnout. So being able to understand and recognize those signs are important. And once you can figure those things out, it'll be a much easier task for you to figure out how to prevent burnout moving forward. As for me, I have experienced burnout in my career and also in some personal relationships. And when I get to that place, Usually I can see the warning signs along the way because I've become more 
aware of my surroundings, more aware of my own, dare I say, chi, where I understand where I am, my centeredness. And if I'm, if I'm not centered, then I have to try to find a way to get back to being centered because I've operated at my peak at an optimal level when I'm centered. And when I'm off center, not only do I know it, but the people around me know it because my performance suffers, my relationships suffer, and uh, it is very obvious to me. And so I usually try to find the things that I know will help me refocus and then recenter myself so that I can become the person that I strive to be on a daily basis. In terms of seeing coworkers go through burnout, I have, and, and I try to notice it. And without sounding complete alarms because you don't ever really know. I try to make suggestions. I try to help coworkers understand at those places where they've kind of hit a block and they may not realize or recognize it as burnout, but they, most people can understand that, okay, I'm really not producing at, at an optimal level right now. And so I like having those conversations with coworkers and offering suggestions. I don't, I don't like taking someone a dead cat, but not providing a shovel for them. And so what I mean by that is I want to help provide solutions if I'm going to bring up an issue or a problem. If I see that something's a problem, I also want to provide some suggested solutions. And so that's what I try to do with coworkers and try to help them understand what it is that we, where we are and where we end up going once we hit that point of burnout and then try to help them figure out how to come back from that. Some of the possible repercussions for not addressing burnout is really your performance suffers in every area. You may lose relationships. People may lose jobs. You may even do harm to the people that you don't want to do harm to, either in relationships or to students, to people who work with or for you, people with whom you work, maybe work for. And so it, there's a lot of damage that can be done by not addressing burnout when you realize it and not being self-aware enough to know that right now I am the problem or at least a part of it. And if I can correct my portion of it, then maybe I can even help others um, as a result. So advice that I would give to new professionals related to burnout is find a mentor, a sponsor, um, work with a supervisor and ask the questions. Ask them to help monitor you because as a new professional, you may not know when you're coming into a point of burnout. New professionals usually come in in this field in particular in higher education, this particularly residential life. They like to come into the field and they feel like, I can contribute now. I have so much energy. I have so much to give and they pour so much of themselves into the work. If we don't stop them, and I say we, meaning some of the more seasoned professionals, if we don't try to help or stop a new professional from giving too much, they will burn out. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They absolutely will burn out. It's just a matter of how well would they rebound. And so before they ever hit a point of burnout, I think if they have asked a mentor or someone to try to watch and try to make sure that they're staying on the right path. That will go a long way to keeping them from either hitting burnout or at least allowing them to be able to recover once they do. Thank you very much. Our second speaker is coming to us from the Great Plains. Derek Robinson currently works in Kansas and will be talking about self-care. He is going to be sharing some advice in regards to implementing self-care on a regular, everyday basis. All right. 
Hi everyone, my name is Derek Robinson and I am going to be a part of this podcast talking about self-care. Joe invited me to be a part of this and I'm ready to give you all a perspective of what self-care means to me as a person and a professional in student affairs and how I navigate it. And I'm happy and honored to be a part of the Res Life Night Shift podcast. Okay, so... I'm at Starbucks, so bear with me and I will answer all the questions that um, I need to get to and do the best I can. So, all right. So the first question is, what is your definition of self-care? All right, so there's a quote that I live by and I always use and utilize as a professional and as a person overall. It is fall in love with taking care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit. And honestly, I think in student affairs, we have this idea that self-care is, oh, look at me going to this extravagant trip and put it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter for the world to see, or I'm in... um, the Caribbeans and I just need the world to know that I'm taking care of myself. And I think that's great. And I think that's important. And I'm glad that that keeps us accountable. But honestly, self-care to me is doing the littlest, simplest things. Um, You know, that quote, it's the simple things in life that matter the most. I truly am that type of person when it comes to my self-care. Self-care to me is getting my fix from Starbucks or, um, you know, taking care of myself in a way of I need to go running in the morning um, and uh, rejuvenate and get myself and body centered or, you know, getting enough sleep um, six to eight hours a night if possible. Those things to me, you don't have to go out and buy and do these extravagant things and put it on Facebook and say, oh, that's self-care. I mean, that is great. But honestly, it's the little things like meal prep and, you know, having those times and situations where you really are just truly taking care of you. Why is self-care important? Oh, oh man. Um, Self-care is extremely important in student affairs. We work a lot. We do a lot of selfless work. um, And especially in residential life, we work where we live. And that is just um, a beast in itself. So what I've learned is I have to figure out or have to have that balance. It's essential because in graduate graduate school, um, it was hard for me then. I honestly, everyone thinks I'm a guru at self-care, but I learned a lot through my journey as a graduate student. I was a graduate assistantship at Ivy Tech Community College and Student Life. And then I was a barista at Starbucks working 40 hours a week on weekends and nights. Crazy. I know, right? But, you know, I had a balance. I was making money um, and I could do things with the money that I was making at Starbucks to travel and take care of myself. But at the same time, working that much um, and really just grinding and making sure that I finish my papers and keep my GPA and A's and things like that, that took a lot of my mental health. That took a lot of me figuring out, okay, what is enough? When is it to say no? How do I manage my time? And honestly, you know, I learned a lot of great time management skills, but um, it's extremely important. And now that I'm on the other side as a professional, 
um, I'm seeing that my needs are different, you know, um, you know, uh, priorities or seeing family and friends and learning when to have that time to say, I need to go home around five this evening and having those boundaries and setting those boundaries because they are important. And in residential life, it is very hard. Again, like I said, we work where we live and things come up and we have to be on all the time. But when you know how to navigate that and set those boundaries, I think it helps tremendously. Um, so yeah, self-care is also important because in the beginning of our careers, I don't know if you all know this, but burnout ha- happens very early. Um, the first three to five years, we lose people in the field in student affairs. So I know that and I knew that when I was going into my grad school program and then I'm 25. So I went straight through. I got my bachelor's and my master's all at Indiana State University for six years. 2010 through 2014, I got my bachelor's of science in information technology. So yay, technology um, podcast right now. So go IT majors. Woo-hoo. And then I decided I want to go and get my master's because I love working with people and I want to work on college campuses. So I did student affairs and higher education in the SAHI program at Indiana State. Go Sycamores. Um, but that was a lot, you know, and you have to know what is enough. And for me, it's now, you know, finding that balance of, you know, I sacrificed a lot, but now I'm a professional and what I need to do to make sure I have that balance is important. How often do you use self-care? It, is it a monthly, weekly, or daily basis? I think there's never enough self-care, especially in residential life. We work where we live. Um... I try to do it daily basis. Daily basis for me is, like I said, a Starbucks fix um, during my lunch break or in the morning. You know, a lot of my students and colleagues and friends are like, no pink drink today or pink drink today um, because I'm a huge fan of that and that's just my go-to. Um, daily, I am a big SA Fit, hashtag SA Fit type of guy. I was a Division One track and field athlete. So running is important to me. Taking care of my body is important to me. Getting on enough sleep is important to me. Um, so I will be that guy who puts on his Outlook calendar, 7 a.m., running to, um, you know, running five miles or going to the gym. Um, and I want to do that and show that my students, like, this is what I do as well. Like, I'm advocating to take care of your mental health and your body and self-care because it is important. And if we role model that and students see that, they will start doing that for themselves in their own way. Um Weekly or monthly, I also try to do this thing, you know, every two weeks um, I get paid or, you know, when I do get paid, I try to do some time or an evening or an hour for myself, like for Derek, like nothing else, no phone, no text, just do what I would like to enjoy. So I like to get manicure and pedicures or taking a bath, Epsom salt, get my, you know, stuff from Target and just relax. So... I try to do it as best as I can and when I can. How did it come to you about self-care style? Um, or how did you come about your self-care style? I think really learning and from trial and error and just figuring out what works best for me. And everybody's self-care regimens are different and having those different perspectives are important and knowing that everyone is different and it's no one track way and I think that's really what I want to give you all is find the things that work for you and take advice from people so did you follow people's advice I did from my mentors I have about three to five mentors and um 
I think or suggest to any professional or new professional that you should at least have three to five mentors so you can have different perspectives. Um, it's important to get that advice from people. And, you know, one of my challenges was would I go straight through and get a PhD? And I said and talked to my mentors like, no, I think I need to get two to three years of experience before getting a PhD because I went straight through from an IT bachelor's of science to a MS master's of science in student affairs six years straight at a same institution. But I traveled and did a Kuwai in California and did all these great things while I was in school. But um, I knew that. Now, if you want to go faculty route or want to be a professor, some people do go straight through to do that. And that makes sense. And like I said, there's no one track way of doing that. But having those conversations and figuring those things out, not by yourself, I think is important. And you know what your limits are and what you can do. Um, or did it come about through trial and error? Like I said, yes, I knew that um, I was a little tired for being in school six years straight and I'm 25 and I have accomplished, um, you know, great things with my degrees and, and now I have, you know, my master's and things like that. And now I can focus on like spending time with family and friends or making time to start finding a partner or dating. And those are the things I want to look forward to now because I did the logistic part, but like I said, everybody's track is different and I want to make sure that I find what helps me grow and be a leader. So whatever those things are for you, you find those things as well. How do you balance self-care? How much is too much? Again, I don't think enough, it will never be enough of self-care in residential life because we work where we live, but finding those niches and making sure that you do have your techniques and style is so important and so vital. And I hope that everyone does that because we need to role model to our students that we aren't just working 24 seven and we are humans and we do things outside of the office. And I'm really big about that. I put it on my calendar. I want people to know that I'm a human outside of what I do outside of student affairs. And I think it's important to have that vulnerability piece. It is so essential in the work that we do because they are under a lot of stress as well as students. I definitely know because I was not a student not too long ago. And um, I also have to find ways to navigate my self-care because in residential life, we work where we live and I'm still very young. And how do I differentiate myself? So I try to dress up a little bit more, make people know that I am a professional, not a student. Um, and, you know, I can't be out in places where students will go to hang out and socialize. So traveling is essential for me. That's a big self-care thing for me. Um, and understanding that, you know, I have a life too and I'm young and I still want to go do things and travel and I don't have a family or a partner right now. So that is important to me. And I think you have to know what works best for you. What are some challenges implementing self-care with a job such as res life? Oh, again, we work where we live. So finding those things that will help you develop peace of mind, sanity, and just overall um, a calm spirit about you and making sure you have good mental health too because it is a lot we have crisis management and you know staff meetings and 24 7 on the go and i had to learn to know like okay what techniques work best how can i do these things and not feel overwhelmed and you got to find the regiment that works best for you honestly do you have a story associated with self-care um 
I think it's it's interesting because, you know, I'm on this podcast talking about self-care and I have been um, actually accepted to present next year at 2018 NASPA about self-care. So I use this thing or this quote or theme, living your best life. And um, I really got this from Shatina Jones. And it really has been this thing that we've been using um, on social media or what I use as well. And it's one of those things like, oh, dear, what are you doing? You know, like I'm taking care of me right now. I'm living my best life. I'm out. I'm traveling. I'm doing what I need to do for me. And I think it's been really cool to see how other colleagues and people um, resonate with that. And they get it because we work a lot in student affairs and it's no hidden message. Everyone knows that. And um Sometimes you got to keep yourself accountable. So I think that's a good way for me to do that. Um, and I also think that it's not a um, one quick answer type of regimen. Like self-care is something that you continuously, I feel like I will be learning throughout my journey. I want to be a vice president of student affairs. And I know the higher you go, the harder it is. So really knowing that I have to find what works best and know myself. And I think residential life, you really find who you are because you're in a community taking care of others and really running and holding a building. And you have to take care of yourself on top of that. So you know what you like, you know what you need, you know what you need to stay sane and how to really just keep it together. What advice do you have to new professionals in regards to finding their version of self-care? As a professional and as a new professional, I think we have this thing of we have to say yes, we have to get our names out there in the field and grow and produce and be awesome. And I think it's important that you are involved in all of that. But what I learned, especially in my graduate school things and days was I don't have to do it all now that I'm a professional. You know, I was involved in ACPA and in ASPA and I was on committees and I was traveling and I was doing all these great things while I was in school and I had the time and I think that was the perfect time to do it because as a professional you will not have that much time and I think for me it's just I want to learn my job now I want to grow and be strategic about what I'm getting involved in so you do not have to have all the answers and no one will ever have all the answers and I still don't know all the answers and I feel like I'm really good at my self-care but I think a lot of people don't always get to see the background effects of like what Derek is doing as well like I said there were times where I was working, 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 grinding, grinding 24-7, went straight through um, my schooling and then worked a full-time job at Starbucks and a graduate assistantship. So that was really difficult. And I am glad that I'm talking more about mental health and vulnerability because, you know, mental health is uh, on the rise and has been for the past couple of years in higher ed, but I really see it now in students and we have to keep pushing the boundaries and talking about these things and being vulnerable about our mental health and how it was difficult for our journeys because we all go through this, even as students on the other side of student affairs professionals, um, it never stops. So if you can be relatable and help people understand, like, I understand where you're coming from. You're no different than me. And we will work together to help each other, keep each other accountable. I think it's great. Um, I'm going to leave you all with one more quote, um, and I hope I answered all of the questions for you. And it is this, self-compassion is simply giving the same kindness to ourselves 
that we would give to others. And that is a quote that I think is so vital. Um, We are so giving and we give and we pour and we pour, but we need to give ourselves grace. We need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves as well, because if we can't take care of ourselves, how can we teach our future leaders and students that it's okay to have self-care but we aren't taking care of ourselves it's kind of like contradictory you know what i mean so i want to represent that and i want to be a real holistic professional and do what i say that i'm going to do so my students can respect me and value themselves as well to be um holistic and also be honest about you know when enough is enough when when you need to turn off the computer and when you need to just honestly just be there and be okay with saying I'm taking time for me and that is not a bad thing. So, um, and I also think being accountable and talking to colleagues about these things and, um, you know, like seeing what works for them. Like you can't always mention your family and friends, but like what organization tips work is the best for them? Or I know I'm a big YouTuber and um, figuring out minimalist or what works best for me type of guy. I love Google Drive. I love Google Slides and interacting and doing group work together on that. Um, I love Passion Planners. I love The Day Designer by Whitney English at Target. So, and I talk to colleagues and friends about what works and what's the current trends about like taking care of yourself and organization tips and tools so I think it's always best to know that you're not alone in this journey and that it is always going to be a continuous cycle so um, that's my perspective I hope you got something out of this Uh, my name is Derek Robinson once again um, I'm on social media um, at um, Derek D-Rob D-E-R-R-I-C-K D-R-O-B that's my Twitter and then Mr. Derek Robinson or at Mr. Derek Robinson is my Instagram and then I'm on Facebook as well so like I said I'm always here to talk about self-care and thanks again for having me on this podcast take care Derek so that's episode two thank you for taking the time to tune in This upcoming week on episode three, we will be talking about closing operations. How do you keep your student staff motivated through dead week and finals week? How do you ensure people are doing their fair share of work? Do you do anything special for your staff on the final day of closing? And what systems do you have in place to make sure everything runs smoothly and efficiently? If you're interested in participating in this discussion and sharing your story, please send us a message on our Facebook page. From there, you'll be able to record your story in the comfort of your own home and on your own phone. We do suggest that you use a microphone if you have one of those lying around, or if you're an iPhone user and if you have those Apple headphones, those can work as well. Just be sure that you are recording in a very quiet environment. So once you're done, you're able to upload your recording via Messenger or Facebook, or if you would rather send it to us via Dropbox, that can work as well. That being said, I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, this is Res Live Night Shift. Real stories from full-time professionals. soon we will have a new podcast which will encompass student affairs as a whole be sure to tune in to our podcast nine to whatever and join our hosts corbin natasha taryn and joe
as we explore different topics in the student affairs field. There will be discussions, interviews, stories, and much, much more.